If you go on and you Google New Year's resolutions and um, images, you'll come up, uh, that's where I got this. You'll, you'll find lists that look like this, you know, lose weight, exercise, drink more water, uh, quit smoking. Yeah, okay, heard that. Earlier to bed, uh, drink less, uh, pay off credit cards, that, that, that sort of thing. Do you notice any connection with all of those things on that list? Yeah, they're pretty much all about physical things. They're all about, you know, getting, getting your body in shape, getting it together, and maybe getting your finances in shape. And that's a, you know, that's a good thing because bodily exercise has some value. The Bible says it does. And when we make our resolutions, it generally falls into three categories. One is exercise more. And that, you know, that's, that, that's a good thing to do. Um, some people exercise by running. It's, uh, you know, it's not necessarily the best exercise for you, but it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. It's, it's good, you know, if you've got the knees, uh, you know, to be able to do that. Uh, and I know that, you know, the weather is sometimes inclement here, so some people uh, will even go so far as to, as to get a treadmill. And let me tell you, you get a treadmill, you will have some exercise. Unloading that thing off of the truck and putting it into your house and putting it together and, uh, and then taking it apart and pulling it out of your house a few months later and putting it in your father-in-law's garage <clears throat> where he will get a lot of exercise throughout the year trying to get around that thing to, to do the stuff that was temporarily put there in April. Uh, Speaking from and some people are going to exercise by joining a health club, and that's great. I recommend that you pay on the monthly plan, not the not the quarterly or annual or six month. You know, and some people go, well, but you know, if I pay for the the whole thing, you know, if I then that's gonna that's going to uh, give me more incentive to go. It is going to give you more incentive to go, but it does not going to give you enough incentive. To go more than once or twice more. So do the monthly thing. Because here's the thing. If you're going to go, you're going to go. In a month or two, you'll figure that out. And if you're not, you're not. No matter how much you put down on it. And they're not giving you that money back. Uh, eat more healthy. Now, actually, technically, uh, in proper English, it should be more healthily. But we, uh, you know, we, we ignore adverbs and, and, and just, just mess with them all over the place. Uh, here in our culture, so eat more healthy, whatever that is, because whatever uh, healthy eating tends to change from from uh, um, um, decade to decade or or something. There, there was a time when you know you needed uh, you need needed to get your trans fats, you know, and now you don't need trans fats. And you know there was time when we got this wonderful new product. It's called high fructose corn syrup, and now you don't have to use as much sugar, you know. And now, so now that's. That's how. So you, but, but, you know, eat more healthy. That's, that's a good thing. Uh, and then, you know, budget and stick to it. Wow. Now, that one might actually, you know, that, that, that might actually do something for your, your, your well-being. That might do something for your... Uh, but here's the thing. All of this stuff, I'm not saying don't do these things. I'm not saying don't do these things. And the reason why I'm emphasizing I'm not saying don't do these things is because some of you are going to leave here and go, Pastor said don't do these things. 
I'm not saying don't do these things. I'm saying physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Uh, Work out, eat better, budget. But godliness has value for all things. Your spiritual condition probably has more to do with your health than your physical condition. You know, if you got somebody who's 30, 40 pounds overweight, maybe 42 pounds overweight or something like that, if you got somebody who, who's, who's that much overweight, I, I will take their chances over the person who weighs the exact right amount and hasn't smiled since the Reagan administration. Very honestly, you know, if, 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 you, if, you're not, if you don't enjoy life, if you don't have a sense of peace, if you don't have, have a sense of, of, of well-being, then you can get in all kinds of physical shape, but you're probably not going to live all that long, quite frankly, when you get right down to it. You can't keep your physical looks. I am evidence of this. <laughs> I used to be a good-looking man, <laughs> and then I got old. Uh, you can't keep your physical looks. You can keep your sense of humor for your entire life. Yeah. When I when I was in junior high, there was a there was a a, a real a silly song that kind of came out. It, it it was it was very silly, but it, it it had a grain of truth in it. It was called "If You Want to Be Happy for the Rest of Your Life." How many of you know that song? Oh, wow. Yeah, you're not only more lively than the early group, you're older than the early group. Uh, which is saying something, huh? Yeah, I was going to say, it, it, it's, it's been, yeah, if you, if, you want to, if, you, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife. Well, from my personal point of view, get an ugly girl to marry you. If your friends say you have no taste, Go ahead and marry anyway. Her face is ugly and her eyes don't match. Take it from me, she's a better cat. I mean, you know, there's something come over me right now. Not sure what it is. Uh, here's the thing. You know, if you got a choice, if, if, if your choice is between a babe who's only a babe and somebody who can cook, take the cook. <laughs> babe don't last. Cook and do. Now, occasionally, some of us managed to get both, and I did. <clears throat> so let me make that perfectly clear, and I'm not just saying that because she's not here. I said it when she was here. <laughs> Proverbs 17:22. a cheerful heart is good medicine. It's, it's, it's good. Side effects may include mysterious smiling, open laughter. Unexpected patience, unexplained peace, lack of stress, lack of mood swings, profound empathy with others, and a a loss of ability to worry. Should you experience a sense of euphoria lasting over four hours, (laughs) please enjoy. Now that's good medicine. I mean, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. This, this cheerful heart, a, 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 a merry heart, that's a good thing. So what are your resolutions regarding spiritual training as we enter this dangerous 2016? And it is dangerous because 
It's not just dangerous because of mass shootings and ISIS. It's dangerous because we've got an election coming up. And almost everything is going to be attuned to either make you upset or angry, which is poisonous to this. So what are your resolutions? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three suggestions for resolutions in 2016. And, uh, you know, you can do, do with this as you will, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. Uh, and, and the first one, those of you who've been here for a number of years, the first one you probably already know, and that is daily Bible reading. Now, as I was saying, we have trouble with adverbs in this, uh, in, in this country, both using them properly and, and understanding them. So let me explain. Uh, the, the word daily is an adverb in this particular sense, meaning every day. It doesn't mean every weekday. It doesn't mean every day that I'm off. It, it, it doesn't mean on the weekends. It means every single day. Uh, most every year, the final sermon here is devoted to encouraging you to read the Bible in the coming year. It's, it's, it, it's daily food. I mean, you can read other books and, and you know, that's, that's okay. But none of them are a substitute for the Word. Not, none of them are a substitute for the Word. And you have to be careful about spiritual junk food. And if you, and if you don't ever have, eat any home cooking, you don't know what junk food is. You, you think that's all there is. You get right down to it. So, so daily Bible reading every day. Now, if you've never read the Bible all the way through, it takes about 20 minutes a day. Or if you're going to do it, to do it in a year, if you're going to do it in two years, it takes 10 minutes a day. I mean, you know, whatever. Four years, five minutes a day. But, and at some point in your walk, you should take that pilgrimage. You really should. But you don't have to read the Bible all the way through during, during, during the year. Uh, the real key is to read daily, seven days a week. 365, and in this coming year, 366 days. And here are some tips on how to do it. First of all, choose a set time each day. Uh, Morning is real good when you first get up. Uh, uh, Evening, right before you go to bed, is real good. But it doesn't have to be those two times. That might not be what fits. Uh, Back in the late 70s, early 80s, when I was working for Social Security, and um, we were putting in... 20, 30 hours a week at the church volunteer, and I was working this full-time job, and we had kids. Uh, you know, my nights were just crammed full, and by the time it came time to, to lay down, you know, if I opened a book before I lay down, I would, I'd be out, you know, and, and, and in the mornings, I'd get up, and it was like, go, 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 go. So I, I read at lunch. Uh, you know, I'd go and eat, I'd eat my sandwich in my break room, and then I'd go out in the car, uh, or there were no disturbances, and, and read the Bible. That was, that was something. But choose a set time during the day, because if you don't choose a set time during the day, unless you're an extremely unusual person, and I know that virtually all of you are unusual people, but, um, but not that kind of unusual. Unless you're an extremely unusual person, then you're going to end up a lot of days getting to the end of the day and going, oh, yeah, well, I'm just too tired. And, and, Three weeks into this thing, you, it'll be done. You know, it's a good thing I didn't buy the six-month membership. It, it, it'll, just, it'll just be finished. So choose a set time every day. and go, This is when I'm going to do this. Uh, and then also, choose a, choose, choose a translation you understand. 
uh, just just a couple things about this. There, there is no, you know, don't let the uh, the translation police intimidate you. There, there, there is no one version that is the version of the Bible that everybody has to use. You know, I mean, the, the authorized translate. I'm not slamming the King James. The King James is a great Bible, but it, but the reason it's the authorized translation is because uh, in the early uh, 17th century. King James I of England said it was authorized. He's also the one that the Puritans ran from to come to the New World. So, I, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's nothing there. If you love beautiful language, beautiful, uh, I don't know why they call it Elizabethan since he was uh, the one that was a the king then, but if you love beautiful Elizabethan language, read the King James. I mean, that, you know, that, if, that, if that's what moves and stirs your soul, uh, the message is uh, kind of at the other end of the spectrum. It's a colorful, mo- modern thought Bible. And let me, just, uh, let me just explain. There are two different theories of translations when it comes to Bibles. One is word-for-word translation, and one is thought-for-thought translation. And neither one of them are wrong. Uh, you, you may go, well, it's got to be word for word. But, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're translating word for word, sometimes you don't really, it, it just doesn't translate into the other language. And so, uh, you know, you have to do thought for thought sometime. Uh, the, the Message Bible is definitely a thought for thought Bible. And let me just say this. I, I, I recommend the Message Bible for people who are already really familiar with the Bible. Uh, and the reason for that is if you get, if you're really familiar, sometimes you're so familiar with something that when you read that passage, you've read it a hundred times and you just check out or, you know, you're not open to receiving anything new from it. And, and, and the message Bible will put a, put a little different light on things sometimes and and make you kind of go, Whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, and, and really whether or not you totally agree with how, uh, Eugene Peterson translated it. You, you're thinking. You're at least thinking about it. But you know, it may be it may be the one that speaks to you your first time through. Uh, if you really want word for word, New American Standard Bible. Amen, Rodney. Yeah, there you go. Uh, if you really want a a, a good uh, thought for thought translation, uh, the New Living uh, Version is is a really good one. Um, the the New International Version is kind of a middle ground. They it tries to synthesize both ideas, and that's the one I normally preach out of. But but choose one you choose one you're going to read. Choose one you you understand. You know, sometimes people go, well, I you know I, just, I tried to read the Bible and I and I just don't understand it. Oh come on, get a different translation. Uh, it, it's not that it's all that difficult to understand. These are these are words and sentences. And, and a lot, and most, you know, sometimes you understand it, you just don't like what it had to say. But, uh, so, choo- choose a set time each day, choose a translation you're going to like, and then one other thing, uh, choose a set amount every day. Uh, you know, maybe you're the kind who can just kind of shoot from the hip and get this thing done. N- not me. You know, I need to know, okay, I'm going to read... A chapter a day at this setting. I'm going to read 10 verses at this setting. I'm going to read, you know, uh, the little, you know, where if, if I've got a Bible that's got broken up into paragraphs, I'm going to read one section. You know, choose a set amount and read that. You know, read, read that. Uh, so anyway, those are my, those are my uh, uh, recommendations on, on reading the Bible. I suggest uh, at least a chapter. Uh, 
or, or better yet, one chapter in the morning, one chapter in the evening. That, that, that's, that's a great thing to do. You're, you're talking 10 minutes a day, maybe, that you're taking there. So that's one thing. Uh, and the second one is this. Faithfully attend church. When I was a kid, uh, I mean, we went to church all the time, all the time, all the time. And uh, it, it was, it was uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure I've, I've told the joke before about the dollar bill that went to heaven. Uh, maybe it's just such a bad joke people didn't remember it. I, you, yeah, that's, that's why, well, a hundred, uh, you know, a dollar bill and a $20 bill and a $100 bill goes to heaven. And, uh, and, and as they're, they're talking to each other, the $100 bill uh, is just talking about all the wonderful places that it used to, that, that it went, all the, the overseas trips it took, and, and all, of, all of the fabulous events that it, that it went to. Uh, the $20 bill, uh, you know, got to go to a few of those things, could kind of relate with some of that, you know, did some domestic travel and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, got to go to a concert every now and then. Uh, and the $1 bill says, well, for me, it was always the same. Go to church, go to church, go to church. It's, okay, okay. All right, next time you'll remember it, and I won't tell it again. Because I know I've told that joke. Anyway, uh, we went to church as often as a dollar bill. I mean, and, and, in, and in those days, in the 50s and, and the early 60s, I mean, there was nothing else to do. And so we went all the time. But, you know, I'd say to my dad, why do we have to go to church all the time? And he would always pull out Hebrews 10, 24, <clears throat> the last half of Hebrews 10, 24. But there's a first half to it, and then there's a 10, 25 right after it. And it says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I understand that... People can't always attend. Like I say, you know, uh, today I know a lot of people are traveling, and and I'm I'm happy for them. You know, that's great. Uh, and I know quite a few are sick. I've, I know several families that uh, that that have that that's going on. Uh, so I, I I know that people can't always attend. My my parents, they it wasn't until they got old, and uh, and maybe this is part of the reason why I know, uh, but it wasn't until they got old that they finally figured out that, you know, sometimes you just can't be there. But I also know the difference between a reason and an excuse. And sometimes they can be exactly the same. An excuse is when somebody else uses it. A reason is when I use it. Oh, it's going to get better. You're really going to like this by the time I get through with it. Yeah. (laughs) Things change. Uh, And some changes are good. Others are bad. Uh, I'm very thankful for modern dentistry. Uh, every time I read a book about, you know, the past, especially at least if you go back to the 19th century and anything beyond that, and hear about somebody having to go to the dentist, you know, I just go, God, these people, they do nothing of Novocaine and, or anything like that. In fact, you know, the dentist was also usually their barber or something like that. I'm glad for modern dentistry. Let's, let's, let's say, hear it for modern dentistry. Yeah. I'm also glad for modern travel. Uh, when Margaret and I in the mid-80s uh, were in Zimbabwe, when we were over there uh, working in the Bible school there, we flew. It wasn't all that long before then that people had to get on a boat and, and travel across oceans and take weeks to make that trip. And 
uh, oftentimes in very uncertain circumstances. So I, I'm glad for modern travel. I'm glad for modern communication, except for when I'm not. Which, which is oftentimes, you know, you get, you get a phone ring and you kind of go, I don't recognize that number. Don't answer it. It just encourages them. I mean, if you, if you answer it and, and, and yell, don't call me again, it doesn't work. They'll call you back. They think they can wear you down, and they can. We got to do something about this, people. This is an election year. Surely we can do something about this. But I'm glad for modern communication. Somebody can be on the other side of the world and, you know, hi, Skype with you and all that stuff. That's great. And I'm pretty glad for TV, but it is no substitute. It has never been a substitute for meeting together. Now, you know, I, I know that some people are sick or some people really do have reasons and they can't come. And, and that's great. I'm glad that they've got that. And I'm also glad that sinners who aren't going to come, you know, but who don't have enough uh, energy to pick up the remote and change the channel. You know, they may hear the gospel. That, that's great, but it ain't church. I said ain't. Reach out and touch the screen. Just doesn't do it for me. If you're sitting close enough to somebody, uh, touch them. Just, 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 just touch them. Yeah. Does that feel like a screen? Of course it doesn't. But it, it's, it's something. Okay, that's enough. Uh, and some, you know, some people go, well, you know, I, the problem with coming to church is there are other people there. First John 2, 9 says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who claims I'm walking in the light but I don't want to hang out with my brother or sister, they might be deceiving themselves. Verse 11 says, anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness, walks around in the darkness. They, they don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. See, here's the thing. The idea of meeting together isn't just for you. Now, it is for you in that when we actually come together, usually you'll leave feeling one of, of, of two things. Uh, you'll either leave feeling encouraged and built up and, all right, you know, I, 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 I got my booster shot. You know, I can, I can make it through this week. Or you'll leave disturbed with the Holy Spirit having touched something in your life that you need to be disturbed about that you need to be thinking about and, and maybe do something about. That, that happens when we come together. And in that sense, it's for you. But look, look, again, at what, look again at what Hebrews says. Let a, this is why we meet together. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And in order to do that, you actually need to be with somebody, encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The idea of meeting together is, is tied directly into spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. You can't, you can't do that, that virtually. There are those who, when you're not here, you may not get a phone call, but I promise you, you know, maybe if you're a first-time visitor, no, nobody knows you, but, but if you come on any kind of regular basis or occasional basis, there are those, when you're not here, who feel, oh, discouraged. You say, well, I, you know, I, I don't do anything. You know, I'm not on the worship team. I don't serve communion. I'm not an usher. You know, you don't have to do anything. Showing up is something. Be, being, being here, being here is something. That, that's part. Worship is all we say and do. 
We've used that phrase before. We hadn't used it recently, but it's worship is not when you when somebody talks about going to a worship service. You know, we tend to think about, oh, okay, well, we're going to sing some songs, or, or we're going to we're going to give an offering, or we're going to do this, or we're going to do that. Well, yes, that's true. But the worship starts when you get off the sofa. The worship starts when you get out of bed and you get yourself ready. And you get in, in, in a vehicle or wh- whatever mode of transportation you're going to do, and you travel to get there. That is a sacrifice. That is, that is a part of worship. Okay, that's two. Here's 2A. <laughs> I told you this was going to get better. Uh, yeah, but I don't like, you know, what they do. I, I don't like that uh, okay, so you don't like something, you don't do it. Is that right? Is that, is that the way your relationship with God works? You know, a lot of you may not come back next week, but you know, I've, I've, got, I've got to say this this week. Is, is that how it is? Is it about me? If, first of all, if you're not here on time, you don't get the full experience. I mean, sometimes the first five minutes is just the sweetest. It's just, mmm, just sets sets it up. And once again, you may not get a call, but if you aren't present and someone is expecting you and would like for you to be here, uh, they're concerned. It's not just a matter of, oh, I can worship Jesus. It's a matter of, I can worship Jesus and I wonder where so-and-so is. wonder if they're okay. I wonder if they're going to make it. I wonder what's happened. Like I say, you leave feeling one of two ways. You can... And, and, then, and then 2B is this, prepare, pr- prepare for coming. What, what do you do in the car on the way to church? What, what, what do you talk about? What do you think about? Uh, you know, when you, when you go to a Titans game, you're probably listening to the pregame show. You and your buds are talking about, you know, where you're going to sit and what's going to happen and how let's get our logistics down. I mean, your focus is there. So what, what is it when you're coming to church, do you, you know, at least get it up into second gear somehow spiritually before you get here. You know, don't, don't come in with it in reverse, which, which a lot of people do. And then they got to get you to neutral and then they got to get you to, to, to first gear and then to second gear. And you came in, you know, 15 minutes late anyway. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I'm usually a lot more fun than this, but this was just what, what do you, you know, what do you watch on TV? What do you read before you go? You know, probably a lot of you don't take a, a, a Sunday paper anymore, but if you do, don't open that darn thing before you get here. Wait until you get home to read it. You got stuff more important to do that morning. I love modern communication, <laughs> except for when I don't. I, I, I try thinking about the Lord, try singing a, a worship song. You say, well, I, I, I sing badly. Well, the car is where you should be doing that. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I try to make a point and have for years. Of, if I'm on my way to church, I, I need to try and... I need to try and get there before I get there. Does that make sense? I, I, I need to, I, there's a song. I, I need to bring a song up I, intentionally. And I need, or I, I and, and if Margaret and I are talking, you know, we need to, we need to, to get it focused. 
that way. I'm talking about stuff that'll change your life. Try, try thinking about the Lord singing a worship song. Uh, one, one last little bit here. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says this. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together? Each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. And oftentimes we'll, we'll look at this and we'll get very legalistic about it. You know, some will go, well, we need to be at... You know, we need to have a, a, a smaller, these big churches, that's, that's not what you're supposed to have because everybody's supposed to, it doesn't say everybody's going to give it, it says you should have it. And, and the, the thing isn't necessarily uh, the, the minute legalism of it. The sense of it is when you come together, you should bring something, something, something that's in here, not, not just something in your wallet, not just... Uh, you know, not just your, your physical presence. You, sh- you, should, you should be prepped before you come. It makes all the difference in the world. My dad used to say all the time, you get out what you put in. And you know, and I heard it so many times, I went, oh, dad, yeah, you get out what you... So true. So absolutely true. <laughs> and, and you know, when people, when people get tired of a church, it's not usually because something has really changed and got it's because they've stopped bringing anything to it and that's why they're not getting anything out of it anymore okay so that's uh, that's that's uh, we've got we've got our resolutions going here daily bible reading faithful church attendance plus 2a 2b uh and then this will be the last one i'll put up ask more from god this year we aren't a, uh, a name it and claim it type of church. We're not, we, don't, we don't teach that you figure out what it is you want and you go tell God, you got to give this to me, God. I'm going to believe in it till you give it to me. We don't think, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz as a hymn? We think it's just a song. Uh, I actually heard a guy sing that in church once. Yeah, Wayne was there. <laughs> it's nothing like nothing like sitting beside Wayne when somebody breaks into oh Lord won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz <laughs> uh, most people the problem with name and claim is most people name and claim the wrong things and basically cut out thy will be done out of the occasion, equation but on the other hand we don't ask enough we, we don't ask enough. John 16, 24, until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be made complete. There's that, there's that merry heart. And, and it's not stuff necessarily that you need to ask for. A lot of things that you would ask for aren't stuff. J- James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it'll be given to you. Oh. Yeah, I've been, I've, I, without finding fault. We have a tendency to, to think, well, you know, I, I've got to be good enough to ask. Or, uh, you know, well, I didn't get it because, you know, I just hadn't been good enough. No, you, you ask, you believe, and expect, but you allow him to be God. I think I heard something earlier in the service about let God be God. You are my hope. And then the reason why we should ask over Matthew 7, 11, 
Jesus said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I was talking with a guy before the, uh, the first service. And, you know, he was saying, how was your Christmas? It was great. I said, how was your Christmas? He said, oh, man, the look on my son's face. That was it. That, was, that, that absolutely made it. And, you know, and I know what he was talking about because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a dad. I've, I've given some gifts away. Uh, and a lot of you have. And we're evil. We are. I mean, that nature has to be, has to be worked on every day. Our father's a good, good father. He loves to see that look on his kid's face. He, he knows how to give good gifts, and we should, we should ask him. We don't ask enough. Be prepared to do something, but, but you know, it's not like you know, ask and just, well, there it is. But you know, ask and, and let him be God. Let him do something. Is there a job you want? Ask. Ask God for it. It might not be the right one for you. He'll, he'll maybe give you something else, but ask him for it. Uh, when I worked for Social Security, it was a job I wanted. I prayed. You know, I went and took the test. Uh, you know, I did all the stuff I needed to do, but I asked, and he gave it to me. He, he literally gave it to me. Yeah. Uh, and, and then there was a lady at the job. I've mentioned this before, but I'll just mention it again. There was a lady at the job that I was having problems with. So maybe you like your job. You just don't like all the people there. And I said, God, do something about this woman. And he did. He gave her a promotion and uh, sent her to another place. You know, I, I was kind of thinking about medical leave, but you know, he he, you know, he had he had something else in mind. S- sent her to another place, uh, and then uh, six months later, she came back. Uh oh, yeah. But this is how God works. You see, she had gotten the promotion. She discovered that the people she was giving all that grief to actually have a hard job. She was back in this other job again, and she, she had a whole different attitude. And I went, whoo, wow. Have you ever been able to change somebody's attitude at work? No, but your daddy can. You have to ask him. That, that, that's what you have to do. You got a, a, a relationship. Is there a broken relationship you want restored? Ask. Um, there's been a, a relationship for a number of years in my life that's been problematic. And I realized, the first part of this year, I realized that I had stopped asking God to fix it. In fact, I'm not sure how much I really ever did ask God to fix it. And so I, I finally went, okay, I, all right, I get it now, God. Will you fix this? A few days later, I get a call asking me to go to a counseling session with this person. I didn't want to go to a counseling session, but the Holy Spirit said, you ask, so let's go see what we can do. Oh, and boy, did he do something. <laughs> it was... It was, it was stuff that I've been just messing up for years, he fixed. Once I start, ask him. Ask him in this coming year. Do you need a healing? Ask. Do you need wisdom? Ask. You know, what, whatever you need, ask. And your joy will be made complete. If we start asking God and expecting him to answer, 2016 will be a year your joy is made complete. And so here we are. These are, the, these are the resolutions for the coming year that I recommend. Daily Bible reading, you know, uh, faithful church attendance, and ask more from God. Would you stand with me? With those who are going to pray for people, come forward. And if you're here and you need prayer, you need something, ask 
uh, you're here. You, you don't have to reach out and put your hand on the screen. There's somebody who will touch and agree with you and ask God with you for what you need. Uh, if you don't need to come forward, then uh, worship with us for a few moments. This is a, not a normal altar type song. It's really more of a declaration as we uh, go into the new year, but it'll work for both. Uh, so if you need to come, come. Otherwise, worship with us. Mm-hmm.